Welcome to the Barrels and Business Podcast. I am your host, Jay Green, and this is the podcast for beach-loving, barrel-chasing business owners. In the next hour or so, I plan to give you as many tangible tips on how you can grow and build your kick-ass team, scale your business, and live the epic life of your dreams. So stay tuned while myself and my guests bring you all of the best. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to this episode. I am joined by the amazing Amber Renee. She is, don't let those long locks fool you. She was a civil engineer, serial entrepreneur, come TV star, you know, on the side. She's been a digital nomad. She's also spent 10 years over at the Coolangatta Surf Club being a lifesaver. Is that right? That is correct. (laughs) Yeah, she loves to get wet, even if it's not on her own board. I think she's had to borrow the boyfriend's board recently, but She's here to talk to us about, you know, not just how to build an amazing digital business and have the freedom, but the roller coasters along the way. And, you know, some of the pitfalls and some of the things that sometimes our genius zone gets in our own way every now and then, right? We can have those really big highs, but then maybe we get in our own way. So tell me first, Emma, civil engineer? Civil engineer. How do do we go from there to here? Well, it's been a bit of a roller coaster journey. I just want to say thanks for having me, though. And what a great place in the world you are right now. As uh, as you mentioned, I was a clubby at Cooley for many, many years. It's a beautiful place down there. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm a civil engineer. I used to work on a construction site building roads and bridges, which is, you know, not exactly what I always dreamed of doing. I always dreamed of having a fashion label. So one day, I, you know, I used to make all my outfits and wear them on a construction site and also wear them around town. And one day I just knew I had to quit, you know, the good solid paying job. And this was probably 15 years ago. And, you know, you don't quit jobs in my era back then like you know if especially if you had a good engineering job you didn't quit that job you stayed in that job so I quit that job and started my first business which was a fashion label and so that business started with me on a sewing machine uh, and we sold four shirts to the cool boutique in Queensland in, in Brisbane next week we sold eight shirts to the same boutique and then five years later I had 120 accounts around the world we exported to Paris Tokyo LA and South Africa I had runway shows all over the globe and we did influencer marketing back before it was a thing we used to dress Paris Hilton uh, along with a bunch of other celebrities before anyone was doing anything like this and this was kind of before the internet internet as well Jade so we used to have to like pick up the phone I used to cold call boutiques can we go back to that days I I tell you I used to bitch about having to make a hundred cold calls a day but geez it was easier it was so much easier well it was (laughs) it was simpler wasn't it you know it was like you get your yellow yellow pages out you make the phone call most people are general genuinely nice to you and then we used to have to post a catalog out so that was how we used to do business. And then they would fax an order through. So you'd check your fax machine and then, and that's yeah. how we did business for a long time. Um, I don't know if I would go back to it, but, uh, but yeah, it, it certainly <laughs> taught me a lot of, I mean, you know, I use my, my knowledge from my construction site to run my fashion label because fashion is basically a manufacturer, a, a project management business yeah. that you're getting yourself into. So for anyone who wants to get into fashion, if you're really good at project management, do that. If you're not, don't run a fashion label. Um, yeah. And then, and then also just, you know, the, the endless rejection, like we used to have to show up to, to, um, to calls. Like I used to take my collection into boutiques and show someone my collection and they go, Oh, hideous. Oh, gross. Oh, I'd never buy that. <laughs> and you're like, did I make this? 
that's my soul in there. (laughs) So again, like, I I mean, I just had literally five years of getting face-to-face rejections over and over again. So, you know, it certainly set me up for what entrepreneurship is, 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 uh, is these days. So that business was great. And I kind of thought I would do that for my entire life because that's all I ever wanted to do as a little kid. And then uh, the, my manufacturer over in Vietnam went out of business and we were leveraged to the hilt, which took me out of business. And I was left with more debt than I could ever repay. I had to basically go bankrupt. And then I'd worked myself into the ground. I don't believe in things like support or getting help. I believe in doing everything yourself, <laughs> doing it the hard way. And as a result, I basically- Would you recommend that to other people? Probably not so much these days. Um, The result of that was I ended up in hospital with, uh, I was on anti-anxiety, antidepressants. I had a nervous breakdown on the side of the highway. I found that I had cancer. I had stomach ulcers and basically had worked myself pretty much to death at that point. So that that sounds pretty close to it. That was business number one. So, okay. So what would you, what are your learnings out of there? Because I do know a lot of our listeners um, uh, wanting to start fashion brands of, of some descriptions, like lots of, lots of like surfwear brands and things like that. I get a lot of contacts come through like that. So what that aside though, running any business at that scale and with your behaviors through that, what would you advise people to not do? What's, what's, what can they learn from your lessons? My biggest takeaway in that business is be really clear on what kind of business you're getting yourself into. So I thought I was running a fashion label. So in my mind, I was going to be designing fashion because that was my passion. That was what I was really good at. But it ended up being that I was running a manufacturing business. And I don't like manufacturing, even though I came from project management, it wasn't what my passion was. So get really clear on what the actual job is that you're doing every day, and then get an understanding of how that business makes money. So the the, the business model. So how do you make money? At what stage of the line do you get paid? At what stage is all of your expenses getting paid out? So for instance, that business model very quickly, you take orders from a boutique, they literally write on a piece of paper, yeah, I'll pay you in six months time. I promise I will. Swear to God. I promise I will. Yeah. And you take that little piece of paper to your manufacturer, you buy all the fabric, all the trims, all the patterns, you pay for your manufacturer. Six months later, you hope that your manufacturer will deliver your product on a hope. Then you can the quality back, that you need it to be. In the quality you need it. And then you come back six months later and you try and knock on that boutique door again and go, hey, remember how you ordered all this product? And they go, Oh, we don't want that anymore. No, we changed our mind. We've gone off it. So, and again, like obviously there's legal things to protect you in this, but that's essentially the business structure of that model. So just be really clear on what the business model is that you're getting into and what the day-to-day job is and make sure that that's what you're really passionate about. Yeah, beautiful. If there's some advice you give to someone that might be, you know, starting to get the awareness that they might be driving themselves to burnout, what would you, because I think I can probably count about 15 of my friends right now. Um, what would, what advice would you give them? I mean, I think like you can only put so much out in the world um, after you've looked after yourself first, right? So we all know that self-care is a buzzword right now, but for me, and back then self-care would have been sleeping at night. Like that would have been, you know, self-care when I want eating a proper meal, that would have been the, you know, self-care having a day off. So, you know, you can't actually run a business unless you're in good health and good mental health. Um, you know, I think mental health is probably just as important as your physical health these days when running a when running any kind of business because you're trying to serve, you're trying to build, you're trying to create, and you can't do that from a place of lack or from a place of 
uh, you know, facing burnout. Yeah. I think that the mental health side of things probably needs to trump. And we do know that, you know, what, what we eat, what we consume affects our brains as well. So that plays into it. But if you started with how do you get your brain in peak performance? How do you look after your mental health? How, we, we, we push and we push and we push and not realizing then that sleep deprivation is worse than being drunk. So like a, a driver driving with sleep deprivation is as bad as driving someone that's like, I don't know, I think it's like eight times over the limit. It's like really, in, it's impaired. So if we think about that, how do we think that we can make the right business decisions or accurate business decisions if we're operating from that level? Like sleep deprivation is a form of like torture. They use it to torture people. Yet we do it often as entrepreneurs to ourselves thinking like, we just got to push through. I just got to do that. Where have you, have you ever had the experience where if you've actually slowed down, maybe taken some time off or gone and got a massage that you have ended up making a better decision or a whole new pathway opened up to you because you take, took the time to give your brain space to fetch a new idea? I have time and time again, Jade, on my holiday, or even just if I've, I've taken three or four days off where I've done nothing, like I've just sat around and done nothing, like not read a book, not been productive, not done the admin, literally just sat by the pool or sat by the beach or gone surfing or whatever. And I can pretty much guarantee that I'll get a million dollar idea in pretty much a week just from sitting and allowing all the you know inspiration because we take in so much inspiration every single day and it just kind of sits back there and we don't really do anything with it right because we're busy 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 we're busy entrepreneurs but uh, like yeah I've had like three or four different million dollar ideas we're just going to kick one off this month actually that we've been thinking about for a while and we're like let's do it it's such a great idea and and it came from sitting and you know sitting in a place of stillness and even when I used to design collections when I was a fashion designer that's where my designs came from I would I would be in that place of stillness in the morning before you're really awake and I would download an entire collection it was all given to me you know it wasn't through effort or trying hard or you know battling it out or hustling which is like a huge word that I'm super anti that big hustle movement um you know so I think like all of the best ideas come from a place of stillness and from a place of calm and you know you're just not going to get there if you're go 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 all the time how good are you at remembering that and making sure you give yourself the space to <laughs> to have that situation and to be able to have the stillness and the calm so I think of this the same way as I think of going to the gym and I'm as consistent with this as I am with going to the gym so like you know we all know that we can't just go to the gym tomorrow and do six squats and come home with a booty or do like some you know some ab crunches and come home with a six pack we know that everyone knows that and yet we you know some people think like well hang on I sat down and I meditated and I did it for 15 minutes and like now I you know I'm not good at it I, or I didn't get the thing or I didn't get what I you know didn't feel like how it's supposed to feel and so I know within my own life because I do go through phases where I get out of practice just like we all get out of practice of going to the gym or we all get into the bad habit of eating the wrong things like it's it's a flow right so I know that like I, I've been out of practice with my meditation and my stillness practice at times. I just managed to get myself back into a good routine, but COVID really threw me. Like I was like, what do I need stillness for? The world shut down. Like I don't need to, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm just going to drink wine. Like what is it to live for? You know, like that, kind, you know, my whole life got turned upside down. Like I was a full-time nomad. So I was like, okay, well I'm stuck. Well, what is there to do? Just going to sit at home and drink wine and do nothing. And, and my practice 
was one of the first things to go. Like I lost my meditation practice. And, and again, getting back into it, I'm gentle with myself. I'm like, cool. So you know that you're going to suck for a few weeks. You know, this is going to be really painful for the first few times. You know, you're not going to enjoy it. And then eventually you'll have a moment or two where you start going, oh yeah, this is really nice. And then you'll get back into a flow again. So that's my advice for people. Like, don't think of your meditation practice as like, well, I tried it once and it didn't work for me. So I'm just going to go back to, you know, not doing it. Think about it the same way as you think about your health practice. If you don't stop doing it for a couple of weeks, it's going to deteriorate. Yeah. It takes a little while to get back on track. It takes a while. Beautiful. So <laughs> you were a full-time nomad. Now you're in Bondi. That's right. Yeah. I think we were joking just before uh, about the internet. Tell, it, tell, us, <laughs> tell us your internet story. Well, I was joking with you, Jade, because I'm in Bondi Beach with, you know, the most expensive streaming internet that you can buy in this country. And the and uh, my internet wasn't working so well for this call. And I said to you at the start, well, I, I've had better internet from working on, the, on a hut on the Gili Island. So you have to walk through water to get into a tiny little hut. There's basically no electricity, but they have better internet than I do here. So that was my life sort of pre-COVID. I'd set up this business where I was completely automated, completely nomadic, you know, traveling the world full time and basically chasing summers. That's been my motto for this business. This is my third business. My first one you heard about, my second one was a fashion consulting business. So I was a fashion editor, um, celebrity stylist and dressing people for all these wonderful events like the Cannes Film Festival and major magazine covers and things like that, which again, I thought was going to be my end all, right? Because I'm a little fashionista. That's what I thought I was going to do for my whole life. And I finished my first business, started this one and basically started it from nothing. Like had no contacts, didn't know how to be a stylist. And three years later, I had two of the best contracts in the country. So the fashion editor and the resident stylist at our biggest radio and TV network. And then I was also a, a, the presenter for fashion TV. So I was traveling the country, interviewing all of my icons in design and speaking to them about fashion. So it was literally my dream life. I was like, this is it. I can, you know, this is, it can never get any better for me. And I would never have quit that job. Like that was as good as it was going to get. And I say the universe lovingly pushed me out of that career as well. They came along and the, they came along and the, the GFC came along and um, all money for things like TV presenting and, and fashion dried up. So I lost three contracts in the space of a month and I was unemployed and unemployable. I tried to go back to the construction site. They didn't want to give me a job. I literally could not get work. I tried to get bar jobs. I don't have any bar experience. Like I was completely unemployed and faced a huge, a huge identity breakdown. I spent about six months in a severe depression. I had the first two weeks of that where, where I was quite suicidal. My brothers had to come around and check that I hadn't done anything silly that day. And, you know, that business, I had the whole era of my life, I had so much identity wrapped up in that, right? Like I was miss fashion like it wasn't yeah. amber it was like i was the queen of fashion in australia and so losing all of that you know i realized i had so much identity and so much ego like oh my god my ego was just like but hang on i'm on tv like where can i go from now you know like it was just yeah. such a huge emotional breakdown on top of realizing that my dream of fashion was over like that was it so that was a really tough period of my life so if anyone's going through something like that at the moment like um you know, I guess the takeaway there is keep separate. And this is probably for the creative entrepreneurs, because if you're creating, right, you're building something with your hands, it's your passion, you're literally creating it. 
um, I see a lot of creative entrepreneurs that were like me that are like, this is, this is my thing. Like, you know, I birthed this, which is a really, uh, you know, difficult thing to say. Like I birthed this, I created it. And then like, what happens when that dies? Like that was the process that I went through, which is a very challenging thing to go to. So I just always think for creative entrepreneurs, try and have that space between you and your creation. Mm. I, uh, I actually sim- struggled with something similar with my recruitment firm. So I w- was living in Clovelly. I lived in uh, Sydney for a number of years, but my whole, like for 13 years, I was known as the, the go-to girl for sales recruitment, like Australia-wide. And that, that was my identity. And I built my brand behind me. My, my Lotus Elise was the same color as my brand because, you know, it's got to be right. And I had matching custom-made matching shoes. My, uh, my Maurice Lacroix watch had an orange band. My, I, I had my orange Prada bag, like, you know, I mean, everything had to go with the orange logo, but this whole identity of, I was the person to turn to when it came to sales recruitment. And when I started to feel like I was trying, I was awakening and I was shifting and there was something shifting in me. And I was realizing that rec- it, what I was trying to do with my firm, which was turn it into people and culture was a square peg in a round hole. And there was, there was all this like, Oh, friction around it. And then when I finally made the decision, I was on the back of my, one of my investors going, it's killing you. Stop. <laughs> You're literally killing yourself. And then there was this identity crisis. Who am I if I'm not this? And it didn't help that someone I'd trained rang me and he's like, you can't close your agency down. Like, who am I going to look up to? You're the best recruiter in Australia. Like, you can't do this to me. I'm like, up snot pouring out of my nose, full meltdown. I'm like, I don't think this is about you right now. Yeah, like, true. Firstly, you haven't worked for me in about eight years, but you know, <laughs> but that whole like, oh, I like workaholic. I had also built a football league and I'd had my ankle destroyed. So I was no longer playing football. So I've lost like this big persona from creating this football league as well as my persona in recruitment. And I was like, what am I now? And the only thing that for me, and, and it probably was, to be honest, the catalyst of all of the things was I'd read Oprah's book, What I Know For Sure. And when I read Oprah's book, What I Know For Sure, what I knew for sure was I was a surfer at a soul level and I hadn't been a surfer for 17 years. And it, it really kind of hit me. I was like, maybe this is part of like, I've, I everywhere I lived in and around Sydney and Melbourne and I, I had to be near the water. Like I, there was this calling to be near the water. But I feel like that's potentially... Not that I'm a great surfer, I don't even surf every single day, but it was that, I think it was the lifestyle and the rawness and like, you know, I, you can usually find me dressed exactly like this, riding my skateboard with no shoes on, like I'm, there was a rub and I, and I needed to change. And so I think that was the catalyst. What's your advice? Like when you're going through that identity shift, how do you find, I've, I call it like finding center, finding self. How do you find that, that one thing that you go, actually my true soul is in here and 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 I don't want to give my thoughts on that I want your thoughts on that yeah so I guess the biggest takeaway that I found with all of that is that I had to learn to trust the universe and I had to trust that there was a higher power out there that was guiding me to a to live a more fulfilled and a more on purpose 
life. And I, I didn't trust in that before my meltdown, before my breakdown. I didn't believe in that. You know, I kind of dabbled in it and I sort of said a few things on social media, but I never really trusted that there was a higher calling out there that would feel more aligned and more in, in tune with all of my gifts. You know, up until that point, I'd sort of been using some of the gifts that I'd been given, but I'd never found a business that encompassed all of them or even a purpose that encompassed all of them. So uh, for me, the big takeaway in that period of my life was that the universe had a grander plan for me and all I had to do was show up that was it awesome was there any spiritual guidance that you had through that process like did you read any books or anything what what helped you along that journey or was it literally just got smacked in the face with it, it was like oh shit so I actually moved into a one-bedroom apartment in Tamarama that had a view similar to your view there of Tamarama Beach, and I basically turned it into a hospice, and I did six months of in incredibly deep healing, uh, self-development, personal development work. I was I had the luxury of being able to make that my sole focus, and even just when I tried to work each day, I would open my laptop each day, and I would go to do the work and then be like, I can't do this. Like I have to work on what's going on internally. And I basically spent six months doing four to five hours a day of really intense um, psychological trauma releasing, you know, it, all of the, all of the acronyms, the EMDR, the EFT, yep. the AMD, like all of it, like you name it, the NETs. Uh, and basically that was my sole, sole focus for six months of my life, which was, uh, I don't know if I have a word to describe it. Maybe beautiful and harrowing all at the same time. Wasn't wasn't pretty, it was very ugly. But, yeah. uh, you know, it got to a place where I made peace with my own journey and then also just, you know, went through all of the emotions that I had been storing for my entire life because we don't show emotion in my family. We're very closed off. We're very difficult to, you know, to express emotion. So I had to get in touch with that person. And then also just to heal all the trauma that I'd been through with a couple of really major business failures. If you think about uh, business owners, business leaders, how important do you think it is for them to do that work? How do you think that it, what's the consequence of not doing the work? Well, I think the consequence is like, I mean, for me personally, you need to be aligned with the universe in order to accept abundance in. So for, for, for starters, you're going to be limiting the amount of abundance that you're able to hold and what you're able to create space for. But to be an impactful leader, I think the number one leadership skill moving into the next couple of years is going to be empathy. So if you're, if you're not an empathic leader, your staff are going to leave. Like this is what we're all looking for. We're all looking for empathy and connection, especially following the last couple of years. So if you're a leader that isn't showing up in that way, who has, you know, awareness of how their uh, staff are feeling, which, you know, that's not something you would ever speak about how someone is feeling at work. I think you're going to be left behind. People won't want to work for you. So it's going to be difficult for you to grow your team. That's my opinion anyway. Yeah, beautiful. It's funny because I I run a group. Uh, it's a group coaching call. It's a, it's a I do group coaching calls for my clients on Mondays and Fridays. On Mondays, we do mindset, motivation, and magic milestones. On Fridays, we do feedback loops. And today's session actually started off with, after we've dropped into a bit of a breath work, it's what's the feeling or emotion that's strongest in you right now? And then we go through where that came from and unpack it. And these are like, I've got different boardrooms of people dialing in. We've got butchers, we've got hydraulics engineers, we've got psychologists, we've got, you name it, random bunch. And just that, the, the being able to language how you feel, how you're feeling about the week that, that just was, what led to that? 
who do you need to have a conversation with around it? It just completely changes the landscape. For people that, like, as, as I'm coaching other leaders through this, it's so uncomfortable to start off with to, like, what do you mean you want me to ask them how they're feeling? <laughs> What's emotions strongest in them right now? But to be able to recognize it and have that awareness and be able to shift it is it stops it from lingering and you can shift it as I'm sure, you know, you can shift it this fast. Once you can figure it out, figure out where it's coming from, look at what else you could do about it. Maybe pump up some tunes and get it over with. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I love that you're sharing that information with a diverse range of people. That makes me really hopeful for the future because, you know, we tend to think like, Oh, it's just the coaches that are into this kind of thing, but to hear that the engineers are doing it. That's great. No, it's great. And oh, actually, um, on one of the calls that I was on this morning with another coach, I we were talking about stepping into the third space before, like between calls and between things. And I said, oh, I do that. Literally, I've got to bounce between calls today. I'm just going to drop in. I do breath work and I teach my leaders in the businesses that if they're doing KPI meetings or, you know, even like they're purchasing and then they've got to go do this and there's a stress hand energy hangover step in third space quick round of box breathing and she was like oh my gosh I've got I'm coaching a labor hire company and they were having all of these dramas and I taught them to do the box breathing just between going between things and it completely changed the landscape so it's it's such I I would actually say my trades based people the traditional people uh traditional on tools people are the people that have the most uptake and the most that have seen and give the most positive feedback because that because there's not enough people talking about in their industry and they don't know what they don't know Mm -hmm. and often they see only the only explosion they have is those those woo-woo people with all the crystals on instagram all the crystals (laughs) (laughs) my butcher client said to me that he goes i know i do i do all the stuff now he goes but i ain't putting a fucking crystal in my bottle i'm like (laughs) Mindset. I said, I'm going to hide one in the bottom of your next bottle I give you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I wanted to pull on another thread. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking earlier about like your genius and how obviously you being the genius and the creative genius that you are has allowed you to build these multiple businesses, have a fucking ridiculous lifestyle and ride some super high highs. But we were also talking about how it can sometimes maybe limit you in the in-between space because you're unable to relinquish, would it be relinquish control to your team or just unpack that a little bit further if you remember the thread that I'm pulling. So we were were chatting earlier about how uh, my business, which is how I've lived my entire life, is like being on a roller coaster. It's how I was raised. It's what I know about life. So it's, you know, been one of my biggest challenges in entrepreneurship to not go through that whole, you know, feast famine type thing. So in this business, I run an online uh, education platform where I have um, a a range of e-courses that teach people entrepreneurship and personal branding and communication and things like that. Um, And my, uh, in this business, um, what I've done is the feast and famine. So I work really hard and I work myself to burnout because that's what I know. And then I make a whole lot of money. And (laughs) that's familiar. Was very familiar. And then I jump on a plane and I disappear for six months. And that's sort of been like what I've been doing for the last three or four years. And I've just been trying to figure out a way to make that more sustainable and also to get me out of the business. You know, what does it look like with me not being involved in the business or doing the absolute least, which, you know, as a business owner, 
I, I did everything. That was my job, right? At least that's what I always thought. I had to do everything. And, and it's interesting to watch women scale versus men scale businesses. Like, you know, for me, my first hire was, I think in my second or third year after I was already making multiple six figures, I eventually brought in like a VA to start doing my admin and customer service for me. And then I was speaking to a, a male friend, you know, who started a charity. So they're not even making any money. And I'm like, oh, and he's like, you know, it's been really tough starting and, and scaling and, and you know we've just hired our first employee i'm like oh how long have you been in business for and he's like yeah six weeks i'm like okay so that's just like such a different way of how men versus women scale like i don't know if all women have this mindset i'm not making that generalization but certainly the mindset i had was that i had to do it myself and i had to do it harder and i had to do it better and i guess that was just my mentality of of life you know like i know that i can outwork everyone so for me i've had a really big challenge with you know, changing that mindset around and allowing people to support me, right? Because again, how can you scale if you're the only one working on the business every single day? You literally cannot scale a business that way. So, you know, for me, a huge challenge has been like, how do I hire people to support me? And what does that look like? And also, you know, I've hired people in the past where it's meant that it's created more work for me. You know, like I've had to tell delegate every day. I had to make sure they're doing what they're doing every day. I had to check on them. Um, and again, that's a, that's a mindset thing that I had to overcome to be like, how about I hire someone who can just go and do the job and I don't have to check in. They can, you know, take all of this work off my plate. So it's definitely something that I've challenged, uh, been challenged with in this business and, and certainly something that, um, you know, I've only just kind of grappled with and been able to be like, well, wouldn't it be great if you're not even involved in the business and someone else just runs it? That would actually be way better because then you could just travel and surf and do whatever you like doing. Now we say that, but is there is there a part of your identity that doesn't know who that person is? Obviously, you've had you've got a little bit more benefit than a lot of people because you have done the get up the top of the roller coaster, pull the ripcord, and go out for six months. But even when I even when I got to travel the globe, uh, I'd find I would fill the space like I'd go to San Francisco to do a book launch. And by the end of that book launch, I'm on a plane to Canada. <laughs> and I was, I was supposed to be going to have a holiday for a week uh, back, in, back in Bali and then be back in Australia for a birthday party. But no, I'm now doing, you know, 12-hour days in Canada. I didn't see anything bar the Woolworths at Red Deer. <laughs> and that was it. And then I go to Pula and I'm supposed to be there for a, like, I'm supposed to just speak. And in between my speaking gigs, which are nearly three weeks apart, I have space and time. I've got to run my team, but that's okay. There's a few calls. Oh no, I just help run somebody else. Another book. That's right. <laughs> and my friends are like, you are you run, like, you're not getting to experience any of this. You're not seeing all the things. I'm like, oh, but they need the help. And like, it, it's some sick addiction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not putting fingers just so you know it's, it's literally something that I've been grappling it with as well and I've kind of gone the other way like especially because COVID I was like well it's COVID I'm doing nothing so I kind of like I also was writing a book so that was my excuse but basically what that looked like is sitting yeah, around your doing, uh, they're doing a whole lot of nothing most days 
Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I'm now trying to find the happy medium. Like I do really love working. I, you know, I do love the drive of feeling on purpose and getting to the end of the week and being like, you've had a great week. Like I was just doing that to myself earlier today. I'm like, God, you've had a good week. So like, certainly there is some sort of, you know, addiction to that. Um, I guess I'm trying to figure out how to make that a healthier addiction where it's, you know, very balanced. And I don't actually don't believe in work-life balance, not when you're an entrepreneur. You know, I think like we're lying in bed at night, we're thinking about our things, we wake up yeah. in the morning, we wake at three o'clock in the morning, we've got a great idea, we have to get up and do it, you know, like so I don't actually think work-life balance is a is a thing when you're the boss. Um, yeah. but I certainly think there are ways to take care of your mental and physical health and, and just enjoy your work more rather than slogging it out for eighteen hours a day or whatever it looks like. Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, it's just, we have life work is in there. So you've got to be really choosy about what you do. And I really love what you said at the very beginning about be clear on the, on the business that you're in. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I see this so, so many times, like you want to be a fashion designer, but then you only get to do this much of it because there's all of these other things that need to get done. And it's, it's killing your soul. It's like, could I have done something differently? Uh, I see. It's interesting what you said about the, the females being slower to scale or to hire, I actually see it more as a identity trait in terms of it's it's the people that have come from the, I have to do everything myself, depending on their upbringing as well. And they don't feel that they deserve. And this is probably why you see it skewed a little bit more to, towards females as well they don't deserve it because they're supposed to be the person that does all the things. And if they've come from being a caregiver and all of that, or used to um, having to serve other people, they feel guilty about offloading the responsibility um, and they feel weird about that. And they've, they've like, when I get to this level, then I can. And there's that whole programming that runs beneath it. Uh, so being that I am the team person, the first person I say to everyone to hire, the minute you start a business, the minute that you have a little bit of profit, hire a VA mm. because you can get an amazing EA for six bucks an hour. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're doing jobs that are worth six bucks an hour, you're doing the wrong, you're in the wrong business. Exactly. Right. You really, you really need to look at it and you're like, okay, six bucks an hour, work that out. You can get, you can get a VA to get you started. That's way better at doing the shit that, that, that they do. Right. So you might, you might take someone on for 10 hours. 60 bucks hmm. 60 bucks what do you like i don't know about you i go for go for dinner and my bottle of wine's more than 60 bucks <laughs> right so if you went okay that and the what they can get done in 10 hours versus what you like if i tried to do what Kay does hmm. it would take me 30 hours to do what she does in 10 and even just the mental load, like you still have to make all those decisions if you're doing that job. So you've got to decide, will I respond to that email in this way or this way? Yeah. Even that mental capacity of all that extra decision-making. Decision content. fatigue. Yeah, decision fatigue, yeah. Yeah, decision fatigue is a real thing. This is why Steve Jobs wore the same freaking outfit all the time. It was one less decision to make. Mm-hmm. Like me, I just wear white. It's one less decision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got very, I must say, I was saying to... Romani's my trainee in film and media. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a little bit nervous. We've got a, we've got a fashion icon coming on. What the fuck am I going to wear? Right. And then I was like, wait, I've got this dress that I've never been able to try on because I can't zip myself into it. I'm like, oh, this is the benefit of having an assistant. They can zip you into your dress. Yeah. 
And you, we're only looking at the front, so. <laughs> no, I'm in. So uh, we're good. Oh, the tag. The tag. <laughs> Romani, there's still a tag on me. <laughs> you look gorgeous. You look gorgeous. That's great. This looks amazing. Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, we cut one off. Um, right. It's taken me months to be able to wear this because I needed someone to zip me in. <laughs> and it's feeling. You look amazing. Um, so. Let's go a little bit more around genius because I know you're amazing at helping people to unlock their genius, right? And monetize it. So the way that I stumbled onto this realization was after my second business ended, I was left with literally nothing except for all of the knowledge of how to run a fashion styling company. I was really good at it. I'd gotten to, you know, amazing uh, contracts in a very short period of time. And I realized like, I, I know how to teach this stuff. Like I'm, I'm better at this than most people in Australia. So I sat down one day, got my iPhone out. I sat in my closet and I uh, recorded everything that I know about running a fashion styling business. Uh, back then that was 2015. So back then I used to have to explain to people what an e-course, I, I turned this into an e-course. Yeah. Uh, in 2015, I used to have to explain to people what an e-course was so I'd say you, you log in online you watch your tutorials online there's a workbook so I used to have to literally explain to people what it was um, and back then as I say with all my businesses I didn't do it because I wanted to start this mega global brand I did it because I was really passionate about it you know like I was super interested in it it was just become online learning was just becoming a thing I had all this knowledge I love teaching I love helping people I love getting people to, to live their dream life, right? And I know that all these fashionistas have no clue about running a business. So I was like, well, I can help you. And so that first course, we did six figures in my first year of business. Um, and that was, you know, back then it was like, you know, we did webinars every single week. We, I had to learn everything. So I took 18 e-courses in digital marketing in the first year. So I studied email marketing, landing page conversions, oh gosh. Open, everything, Facebook ads, like you name it, I studied it. And then in that first year, I did six figures. After that, I was like, well, I'm, I'm pretty good at this whole online thing. Who knew? Because I thought I was going to be in fashion my whole life. I launched my second business, which was personal branding and publicity, which again was what I was really good at from the, all the TV. So I taught people how to present on camera, how to book podcasts, how to book speaking engagements, and then how to utilize that through media, through other people's audiences, because I was seeing all these people trying to build their own audience. And I'm like, well, that's slow. Why don't we just use someone else's audience? So that was my second uh, e-course called Amplify Your Impact. My third e-course, which is what I'm super passionate about is mindset. So it's the mindset of entrepreneurship, the mindset, success rituals. And then my latest e-course teaches people how to do this. So how to take your genius zone, your knowledge, your life lessons, whether it's your business lessons, what you've learned in the kitchen, what you learn raising your kids, whatever your life lessons are, and package that into an e-course that can help other people. So right now, the online learning industry is a $325 billion industry. It's set to triple in the next couple of years. So right now, there is only a couple of people teaching what I teach. Like imagine having, uh, you know, in one of my first modules in my, my, my e-course that teaches this is called Freedom Funnels. One of my first modules in Freedom Funnels is a um, like validating your idea, right? So we get people to go and do market research. And I say, go and find all the people that are already teaching your e-course and, you know, see what they're charging, what their modules are, all that kind of thing. And I can't tell you, like every week I have people coming back to me going, Amber, I can't find someone teaching my e-course. I'm doing it wrong. And I'm like, 
Nope, you're about to do it right. (laughs) Doing it right. There may not be a single other person teaching what you're about to teach, which just seems insane to me. You know, my best friend is an acupuncturist. She lives in Brisbane. She has to rely on someone walking into her acupuncture studio that lives in the immediate area. And then she's in competition with five other acupuncturists. You know, I sell to eight or nine countries. Well, that's, I run uh, Facebook ads to countries all around the world. I have students in 30 countries around the world that have found me organically. So that's the power of a business like this. It's completely scalable and really uh, having had run a product business and then a service business. So shout out to all the people that are currently running service businesses. This is my only business that's completely scalable. That's allowed me to have any sort of freedom-based lifestyle. Yeah. Beautiful. What so there's a lot there is a bit of a movement of everyone wants to go online everyone wants to get off the tools um, and have the freedom lifestyle right but there's also all of these you know stories of where it's gone wrong or what's you know where where people have failed what do you think are some of the common mistakes people make when they're trying to make this transition why do why do they fail I guess, again, you got, you got to figure out what business that you're in. So I am actually not in the education business. I'm in the traffic business. So I'm trying to, I'm in traffic and conversions. So that's my job every day. I figure out how to find new traffic and how to convert more of the existing traffic that I have. Fortunately, I'm an engineer, so I really love this. But if you're not an engineer and you don't really love crunching numbers all day, then you need to figure out how you're going to hire someone to do that for you. So again, it's just getting clear on what the actual business is. And if you're passionate about that, great. And if you're not, then figure out a way, you know, I've scaled this into a a global business. You don't have to, like, maybe you just really love the teaching and the connection side. So that means you're going to go and do workshops in your local area and you're going to speak to 20 people on a Sunday. Like I did one, a a breath work and ice bath workshop last Sunday in just out the back of Bondi. They had, they charged 350 bucks. They had 50 people there. They made 35. Is it cool to be conscious? Yeah. 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 So um, my, not my last event, the event before, because they were on the road, so I couldn't have him. They ran my ice bath and breath work for my client day. Uh, so we threw we threw the butchers and the the engineers, everyone in the ice bath. All we go. Um, so yeah, no, Rue is a very special special human. Oh, that's so great. Well, I love the work they're doing in the world. But yeah, and again, like you know, if you're really passionate about that, you know, maybe you don't want to do this online traveling the world working from a laptop maybe you've got knowledge but you just want to share it in a different way and I think being really clear about what lights you up like I'm not a community builder so I don't want to have a Facebook group I don't want to be in there chatting to people I love working from my laptop I'm a huge introvert I love crunching numbers so I do this side of the thing and then I have other people to run my community for me so again it's just getting really clear on what you're good at what lights you up and obviously when you're just getting started you're going to be doing all the things but just, you know, get clear about what it is that you're very passionate about and then outsource the rest. So you have a massive community on Instagram. You're, you are one of the legit influencers. You're an actual influencer. Uh, I had a bit of a stalk. So like knowing, like knowing that you've got that side of you, does someone that's going into the digital side of things, is that the, do they need that? 
No, not at all. So most of my students that start with Freedom Funnels, they come, most of them don't even have a business background. So they've just got an idea where they know like, I've been through this and I think I can use this to help other people. You know, whether it's a trauma or a life experience that caused a lot of pain that they overcame, overcame. a lot of people using that to help people, to other people. And then I have a lot of corporates that are just like, well, yeah, I, I run this whole, you know, one of my, um, one of my students, she was in the airline industry for her entire life. And she had all these checklists that she just made for herself, for her own desk. She used to do it on her own desk. It wasn't something that was industry-wide. And she's now turned that into a whole process that she sells to independent travel consultants that, you know, you would never have thought that that was a thing. But, um, you know, it's there, there, are, there are heaps of different ways that you can turn your knowledge into some kind of digital program, whether it's a live coaching, like by the sounds of what you're doing, whether it's an e-course, whether it's an on-demand video, there are heaps of different ways to do it. Beautiful. Where would someone get started? Uh, I have a whole masterclass that teaches you how to do this. I'm sure you're going to link it up below, but there's a freedom class, which teaches you the three-step blueprint to going from idea phase. And I actually go through and build out a funnel. So a funnel is what I really love. I'm a super funnel hacker and a funnel basically just means a fancy way of taking people on a customer journey with you. So it's where someone has no idea who you are and then they build that no like and trust factor and eventually lead to a sale. Now, the reason that I love funnels is that it's completely automated so my funnels run whilst I'm out surfing whilst I'm on planes whilst I'm traveling the world so this is what I love about a funnel is that it kind of automates that whole sales process because unless you're like you most people don't like sales so that's why why I love the funnel Uh, awesome so the team will put a link in the show notes um, so you can find that there no problems at all what is what is one parting I don't know I wanted to say statement or um, piece of knowledge or direction that you'd love to give the listeners? I think I want to say don't expect your, uh, like, so, okay, a couple of things. Firstly, follow, follow your bliss. Follow what you're passionate about. If you're listening to this and you're going, I'm not sure I'm stuck in this business, like Amber was stuck in the fashion business. I thought I was going to do that forever. So, um and the way that I got, you know, transitioned into the new business is that I just followed what I was passionate about. So if you find that you're in a transition phase, or if you're finding that your business isn't lighting you up anymore, and you're thinking, maybe it's time to look at something else, follow what your passion is, what you would do on the weekends, what you give away for free, what videos you watch, what YouTube channels you subscribe to. So that will start pointing you in the direction of what could potentially be your next purpose. And then once you've figured out what that is, don't expect it to pay the bills. You know, I think we all think, well, I started a business and where's my million dollars? Like that Instagram said that that's what would happen, you know? Oh, yes. It said, like, I started it, where's the money? So I think like, you know, don't expect your, your side hustle to pay your bills just yet. I always recommend having a part-time job or even a full-time job to pay your bills just so that you can give that little business some nurturing and some breathing space so that it can start growing into something without the added pressure of like, oh my God, I have to make the sale because that becomes desperate. People can smell it. No one wants to. Vibration. I I definitely, I 100% agree with that because when we're coming from a scarcity energy vibration, everyone can feel it and you you make poor decisions on it. And that's when you're you're operating like you're making rush decisions or you're overworking and you're making things try and squish just because you're desperate and then then you'll end up hating it right right 
And the funniest thing is with this, with the energetic vibration of, of abundance and being in alignment with calling money in. So my funnels are set up, they run automatically. I do very little to touch them. They just make money and it's a very regular amount of money that I know I'm going to make. If I get into a scarcity mindset, like if I've had a lot of bills come in and I start thinking, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to pay or any kind of scarcity Been mindset. Been out buying Jimmy Choo's again. Mm. That's right. <laughs> then my funnels will start making less money. Yeah. And like, I'm not touching them. They're just doing that all by themselves with me, basically like scaring all the, all the, all the money, yep. all the off. So it just, it's so powerful getting into that alignment of, you know, being able to welcome that abundance in, which I think is where we started this whole call, right? Yes. Being open and, and spacious to welcome the abundance, abundance in. Beautiful. I think that's the moment. That's it. That's the moment. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I am very grateful for you. We got through the tech issues. We've, we've had some fun. Uh, there'll be all of the links to things in the show notes below so that you can find her. But just what's your best, uh, what's the best place to find you personally if they want to connect? Come and find me on Instagram and tell me that you saw me on Jade's podcast so that I know where, 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 where you heard me from. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. Enjoy listeners. I'd love to know wherever you're watching or listening to this podcast, what your number one takeaway was from today. Thanks for tuning in to the Barrels and Business podcast. If you are ready to build your kick-ass team, you're looking to scale your business, or you just want ways that you can get wet more often, make sure you head on over and connect with us at barrelsandbusiness.com. Actually, while you're at it, why don't you just hit subscribe wherever you are watching and listening to the podcast right now. I'll see you guys on the next episode.